Welcome to this week's edition of Ocean Allison, where I bring you the best in ocean science, education, and conservation through conversations with people who are creating positive change for the ocean. Ocean Advocate is Jackie Thurlow Lippish. Jackie is a community leader dedicated to improving the health of South Florida's troubled waterways. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today. Very excited to talk to you and have you as a guest on the podcast. So for our listeners, the primary focus of the episode today is going to be this troubled situation that we are experiencing here in South Florida right now. For those listeners that don't live in South Florida and haven't seen this posted on every news outlet and newspaper over the last few weeks, or don't live in the U.S. even, and you haven't seen it on the national news stations like CNN and NBC and the New York Times. We're getting a lot of great national coverage right now. But for those of you that haven't seen this issue presented before, haven't heard of it, basically what's happening is there is a very large lake in the center of Florida called Lake Okeechobee. And this lake naturally used to flow south when it would have a really rainy season. Its banks would flow over and flow south into the Florida Everglades. At some point in the 1920s, they built a really large dike around that lake to prevent flooding in the areas surrounding the lake. And now there are two really large canals that go directly east and directly west. And the one that goes directly east goes to the St. Lucie River Estuary and the Indian River Lagoon here in my hometown and Jackie's hometown in Stewart, Florida, Martin County. And this year, all over the headlines, like I said, we are experiencing the worst blue-green toxic algae bloom that I have ever seen in my whole life. I think probably it's the worst that most people have ever seen in their whole life. This issue, like I said, it's occurring in my hometown, and it's very near and dear to my heart, so I'm very happy to have Jackie on the show today. I know the issue is extremely close to her as well. So Jackie is a community leader. She's held different political positions in our town. She's currently running for county commissioner, and she is out there on the front lines for our river, for our waterways, trying to resolve this issue, trying to raise awareness at all times. Any event going on, you can guarantee that Jackie will be there. So Jackie, I want to ask, what keeps you motivated every day to get up and devote your entire day, your entire week your entire year, really, to helping this issue of our troubled waterways? That's a good question. It's hard to explain. I just knew about seven years ago that this was my purpose. It came down to, um, you know, my mother's a historian, and I had a long conversation with her about all of her archives and history and saving it for our family. And uh, she said to me, Jackie, you need to put your energy into what's most important for, your, for you. She knew and I knew that that was the river. You know, I love the history of our town, but what I'm passionate about is our river. You know, it's funny, but I think we're all very connected to our mothers. And with my mother kind of giving me that direction and blessing, 
I went for it, and I've been in full court since. Like I said earlier, we're experiencing currently, and we have been for the last few weeks, an insanely horrible blue-green toxic algae bloom. And I have seen some of the toxic algae this year. This is not the first time that our area has experienced toxic algae blooms, but like I said, it is by far the worst. And I've seen some of the toxic algae this year in some parts of the waterways, but mostly I've just seen kind of green globs of it. I really haven't seen where it's worst. So I know, Jackie, you have been to the worst affected areas this year in the St. Lucie River. Can you describe to our listeners what the algae and water looks like, smells like, is like? Sure. And um, just real quickly, I want to state that there's been a recent photo from NOAA and the algae bloom in Lake Okeechobee, where all this is coming from, is 239 square miles right now in the lake. So that's almost one third of Lake Okeechobee size is full of algae. So as that algae travels down into the St. Lucie River, Indian River Lagoon, the algae gets caught in these canals and these developments that are all around the water. And so all through Palm City, uh, in these small areas, there are terrible, terrible, stuck, disgusting algae blooms. And then you have the same thing when you get around to North River Shores, which is in Stewart, just down the river. And uh, some of the, the most prominent photographs that you've seen on national television were taken in North River Shores with the algae blooms. Of course, the closer you get to the inlet where I live in the town of Souls Point, it has an opportunity to wash out, so it's not quite as bad. But I'm telling you, just two weeks ago, the river was completely green, like a lawn. So... Uh, the worst algae blooms are in these pockets, which are developments or marinas, but they also get caught around people's docks and uh, shorelines that prevailing winds push the algae into, or just because they're like little crescent moons that hold the algae and then it builds up. Because basically these algae really only bloom where there's not a lot of water flow. Is that correct? I believe they bloom everywhere. Like just a couple of weeks ago, Allison, you could see, we call it particulate algae. If you're in the boat or if you're at somewhere on the side of somebody's dock, even if the, if the algae hasn't congealed, you can see it. So it's everywhere throughout the river, whether the, the river's moving or it's still. But what ends up happening is the prevailing winds and tides push it into these certain places. Okay. And so what is it looking like in those areas? Disgusting. Disgusting, like you would not believe. Um, it looks like some ancient creature, algae, you know, from uh, the dinosaur era. And I said that today at uh, Congressman Murphy's press conference, and it was funny. Dr. Edie Witter was there. You know, she's a premier scientist for the world on ocean studies. And when I said that, she said, uh, Jackie, you know, that's the truth, what you're saying, because blue-green algae was the first plant on our planet, and it's the reason why we have oxygen. It put oxygen in the air, so we need to thank it as much as we are disgusted by it. But it is an ancient-looking creature 
and uh, we you've never seen anything like it in your life. It, it is bizarre. It's like curds of cottage cheese or something, and it's it's green, and then it turns blue, and then it gets thicker to the point where it could be like five inches thick, and then as it breaks apart, there's like oozing purple and maybe a little bit of red. I mean, it's just bizarre looking, disgusting. And you can definitely tell that it's toxic. You know, nature sends us signals just like butterflies that have um, yellow and red. You know, birds know not to eat those butterflies because those are uh, colors in nature that tell this is poisonous. And my goodness, as human beings, we look at that algae and you know that it's poisonous, that you're not supposed to be around it. Yeah, so that brings me to a really great point. Not only does this look really bizarre and horrible and it seems like you shouldn't go near it, can you talk about what it smells like and how this toxic algae is actually harmful to humans? It is the strangest smell. It's a horrible smell. Um, People describe it as a dead animal, but it's more than that. It's like a, a dead animal smell with a very sour kind of smell to it. And it gets in your clothes and uh, it's very hard to get rid of it. I've had extreme headaches, not much, but like yesterday I had to go home and, and just, I, just I, I never go to bed during the day, but I, I went to, I laid down at one in the afternoon because I had just such a splitting headache. And I do believe it was because I have just been around this stuff too many days in a row. The World Health Organization and, of course, the Florida uh, Health Department uh, have put out alerts to doctors and to town governments and city governments and county governments that mostly people need to be very careful who have respiratory problems or children who have asthma. People have been complaining about burning eyes, coughing, headaches. Those are those are the main type of things. And you have to, you know, you might think, oh, that's, you know, that's not that bad, but it is bad. And if you live somewhere close to these things, can you imagine not being allowing your children to run outside and play? I mean, that's terrible, you know, that we have to stay inside. My niece is a counselor for the Environmental Studies Center, and, you know, the kids are supposed to go out and play in the water, and it's uh, something they look forward to all year. Do you know what they did for four weeks? They went bowling because they couldn't be outside. I mean, it's tragic. It's tragic that the young people aren't able to, Uh, experience the outdoors. That's so important. Now, the second level of this with the cyanobacteria, cyanobacteria is what this algae is. And when it becomes toxic, it develops into microcystin. There are studies that have been coming out by Dr. Cox, who is affiliated with Harvard University, about very, very serious health issue, long-term issues for people that are around this kind of situation uh, that would have to do with Alzheimer's and ALS. These are very frightening things to think about. And this is what we're really going to have to pay more attention to, the long-term issues with something like this. My husband said, He's in the medical field that, you know, the thing is you, if it's chronic, 
that's where you really worry about it, meaning that if it's something that we're experiencing all the time over and over and over and over again, you know, right now we're experiencing it for this time, but if we start experiencing it consistently, I don't know what would happen, Allison. People might have to leave here. Yeah, and not only is this a real health risk, you know, over the short term and the long term for people that live here, it's obviously a health risk for all of the wildlife that calls these waterways home. Can you talk about what has happened to the wildlife in the past in this region and what might be happening to it right now? It is so sad. So far, there's been one manatee death, but they were not able to necessarily link it to the algae because the animal was so decomposed that they couldn't do the test on it. And there have been reports of two bird deaths and many fish deaths, I'd say in the hundreds of fish, but it's not in the millions, which is what happened in the Central Lagoon when they had their fish kill earlier this year. For me personally, Bird Island is a big concern. Bird Island is a critical wildlife area right off the town of Souls Point. There are 18 endangered and threatened shorebirds that live on that island, and they're dependent on the river for food. And so um, I've been asking uh, Nancy Beaver, who has Sunshine Wildlife Tours, to give me weekly updates on has she noticed anything with the birds. And so far, she says that she has not. And so that's good news so far. And perhaps they're capable of flying to uh, find food if they can't find it here. And they're, they're breeding generally, they have their babies in March, March, April, May, June. So those little, those young ones just now are, you know, learning to forage. So if their parents teach them to forage further away, maybe they'll have a better chance or maybe they'll leave. You also know Nick Mater, who's uh, with Dolphin Ecology Project. The river dolphins, they are territorial. They will not leave the area. And so Nick Mater with Dolphin Ecology Project and answering to Harbor Branch, she's been going out and she says you can see the dolphins. You know, they've got their babies and they're just swimming around. But they are staying, she said, closer to the St. Lucie Inlet. So you get more flush there. We have not seen any uh, of the dolphins come into the canals where you've got inches of this disgusting algae that's all piled up or on the shorelines. Although there have been manatees that have come into the disgusting algae. And there was a video that went viral with a family in Palm City uh, that put water, you know, a hose into the water. And the poor manatee, you know, is trying to drink fresh water and it's the algae is coming in and out of its uh, nostrils and it's with its baby. I mean, it's just disgusting. And I, I just have to say, where is the Department of Environmental Protection? You know, where is the EPA? We're in a state of emergency. We've had three state of emergencies since 2013 to this year. And those state of emergencies allow funding for people who've lost their money for their business because they haven't been able to work for three weeks. And that's great. But why isn't there someone down here for the animals? I mean, we have, prote we have a protected reef here. 
parts of the Indian River Lagoon and St. Lucie River that are considered the most diverse in the nation, and now it's completely wiped out. Why isn't any state or federal agency here to at least document what's going on? We haven't had any uh, birds or dolphins wash up on the shore, and hopefully we won't. Uh, but when I was on the Army Corps of Engineer, I'm on those calls every week for four years. And when Florida Fish and Wildlife spoke last Tuesday, they said the area should be bracing for a major fish kill, like the one that happened in uh, Melbourne about four months ago. Clearly, this is a environmental catastrophe. I don't really know of any way, other way to describe it. Uh, people's health is at risk. Animals' health is very much so at risk. People's livelihoods are at risk. This is the definition of an environmental disaster. And there has been an amazing, amazing community effort here in Martin County and the surrounding counties that has really gained this national coverage, like I talked about earlier, these national news broadcasts all about this issue. And that is really amazing. There's been rallies, thousands and thousands of people at them. This has been going on for a long time, but we're gaining momentum. At the most recent rally that the community came together for, they spelled out on the beach here, which, mind you, was closed due to toxic algae. First time ever that beaches in this area have been closed where the ocean was so affected by the toxic algae. Anyways, they spelled out in huge letters on the beach by the land. Your husband was one of the people that went up in his plane and took photos of it. Lots of other news stations and local people taking photos, aerial photos of people spelling out by the land on the sand. Can you explain to listeners that are hearing this and maybe people that have seen that photo going viral on the internet, what does by the land mean? What are the implications of it in the future? By the land refers to buying land south of Lake Okeechobee, uh, most specifically in the Everglades Agricultural Area. Uh, the Everglades Agricultural Area is 700,000 square miles that is directly south of Lake Okeechobee, and unfortunately it blocks the flow of water to the Everglades from Lake Okeechobee. Prior to development in the 1800s, uh, Lake Okeechobee received its water, as it does today, from Shingle Creek by Orlando and, and other tributaries, and that water flowed down into Lake Okeechobee. And then when the lake was too high, or just high, nature, for nature there's no too high, it would, flow, it would overflow the banks of the southern part of the lake and make its way slowly to the Everglades. This is most recently known, of course, as the River of Grass, as defined by Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Now, that river of grass has been severed. It's like a severed artery. Uh, the water cannot flow south, and that's why the water management districts and the federal government direct it to the St. Lucie River on the east and the Caloosahatchee River on the west. So by the land means by land south of the lake to reconnect, in essence, the lake to the Everglades. And that story would take probably a whole other podcast, but I'll say very quickly 
that um, there is an option for these lands that started in 2008 and people were advocating very heavily just last year when Amendment 1 allowed us to have monies to buy something like that. The South Florida Water Management District, the governor and the legislature put the kibosh on that. They didn't uh, think that was a good investment. And it's still available. That's the thing. Buy the land is the main push of the movement. And uh, I don't think they're going to let go. There has been some kind of controversy with buying the land, sending it south. Obviously, that was previously the natural flow of things was, you know, flowing south from Lake Okeechobee into the Everglades. Everglades. But what we're seeing here, you know, when the water from Lake Okeechobee that has these toxic algae blooms is flowing into our rivers and our estuaries, we're seeing devastation. Some people say if you send it south to the Everglades, are we going to see devastation there on some level? Is it Are we just pumping polluted water from Lake Okeechobee to a different area of the state? What is your response to someone that would say something like that? I can totally see why they would ask that, because when you see this water, why would you put it anywhere? But what we're talking about is reconnecting the freshwater flow from Lake Okeechobee to the Everglades. And the fresh water is a pollutant to our estuary because estuaries, as you know, are brackish. If we bought the land, there would be huge portions of land to store the water and clean the water. And then it would be conveyed south to the Everglades. It would never be sent to the Everglades in the condition that it is in now. It is an amazing thing that in nature and with technology that we have available to us today, we can clean that water. As you know, you can take water sewage and you can make it drinkable. You know, that's what they do on the space station. There is technology to clean the water and plants are a big part of that technology, natural areas where the water can flow. And so the water would be cleaned before it would be sent to the Everglades Another huge thing is the Miccosukee Indians fought a huge lawsuit back in the 90s that by law, you're not allowed to send the water south to the Everglades if it has a certain uh, level of phosphorus and nitrogen. Those are the things that fuel these blooms and destroy natural uh, systems and plants. So we could never send it south anyway, because it's against the law. The grand irony, Allison, is that it's against the law to send that water south, but it's allowed to send it into Martin County and Lee County. And that makes no sense. And the other thing that makes no sense, they're they're spending billions of dollars to reinforce uh, the Herbert Hoover Dyke right now so that the waters of Lake Okeechobee don't accidentally break through and kill 18,000 people or in their businesses and farmland south of the lake. And of course, we don't want anybody hurt anywhere south of the lake. But on the other hand, what's happening now is it's a health, safe, health safety and welfare issue in Martin County. They won't let it, the, the dike break because it's a health safety and welfare issue south of the lake, but they'll send 
toxic algae into communities on the East Coast and the West Coast, something in the law is missing. The law was written when these things were not even imagined. Harmful algae blooms, global warming, the things that are happening today, today, sea level rise that are exacerbating all these things, they were not even in place. We have got to relook at our laws because this water does need to be sent south and we do need to buy the land. But of course, we have to use our, our technology and the, the amount of land that we need to buy in order to make sure that this water is conveyed properly to the Everglades, which most of the time is starving of water. They don't have enough water down there. Florida Bay right now is uh, experiencing a huge uh, hypersalinity problem. You know, that's ridiculous. We should be sending fresh, clean water from the lake down there. This is the whole economy of South Florida. We are the, the ground zero area. If they can't work this out here, it's going to have repercussions for everybody everywhere south of Orlando. In talking about filtering this water and cleaning it before sending it to the Everglades and that this toxic algae filled water is being sent to us and to the West Coast on the Caloosahatchee River, what is making the water in Lake, o Lake Okeechobee have these algae blooms? What's increasing the phosphorus and nitrogen levels? And what's being done to mitigate that? Obviously, before most people settled here in South Florida, the water of Lake Okeechobee when it ran to the Everglades was not filtered because it was clean. Absolutely. The water comes from the north. And so that uh, overabundance of phosphorus and nitrogen is coming off from farmlands in development north of the lake, and it's piling up in the lake. They wrote about Lake Okeechobee, meaning scientists. They were writing about this in the 60s, in the late 50s and 60s. The United States government was writing about this. We have known that this was coming for a long time. So the real sin here is that we did not pay attention to uh, the information that was given to us. I was born in 1964. They knew the lake was eutrophic or on its way by 1968. That's pathetic. And basically what it comes down to, in my opinion, is governments being greedy and just not listening and being in denial, always putting uh, profit above nature and the environment. And of course, what they're missing is that nature is our profit. Why we like it here, the value here comes from our natural resources. So what a horrible mistake. And there just has to be a complete change in ideology. I think we have to think in terms of the, the whole. And so, you know, we all have to stop bickering. We all have to stop fighting. We have to save ourselves. And we have to look at what we can do within the larger picture. We're all at fault. Town of Souls Point, we, we passed a strong fertilizer ordinance in 2010. We were the first on the East Coast. It doesn't save the world, but it was something we could do. We have really reached that point where this is going to destroy us if we don't make action or take action. We can't just do more studies and talk. And where's the money going to come from? 
it will have to come from uh, the, the state and federal government from Amendment 1. They could add more money to Amendment 1, like the people originally voted for, 75% of the people. You, you know, the state is blaming the federal government. The federal government is so uh, dysfunctional that they're behind in their, their monies for things. But at the end of the day, this is a state problem, and we have to figure it out as a state. We can't wait around for the federal government. And I'm extremely thankful for you being in the political arena in every aspect that you can. And we need as many politicians as possible with your ideology, your mindset that we all need to work together. We need to stop bickering about things. We need to actually take action towards the solution that has really been decided on many, many years ago. I want to turn the conversation a little bit here from big picture political decision and funding solutions to the problem like buying land, filtering it, sending it south, increasing fertilizer bans, things like that. I want to switch gears to something that's happened really just in the last few days. And this is a solution or a proposed solution that could help this toxic algae bloom that we're experiencing right now, now, not waiting for, you know, some laws to be passed or some land to be bought or whatever, but dealing with this health hazard right now, somewhat like an oil spill when people are cleaning up oil right after it happens. Can you talk about the efforts that are going on right now to solve this issue in the way that, that we can with technology? You're probably referring to Ecosphere. It's an amazing thing that is happening this weekend. Ecosphere, you have to uh, Google them. They are a company that has done water purification uh, throughout the United States and the world. And it's just insane. You know, they have these giant trucks and they suck up the algae just like it were oil, like you said, and it goes through a process where they use ozone to destroy the cells of the algae and to purify it. And so when it go, once it goes through this procedure, it comes out the other side as water that has more oxygen in it. And so when there's more oxygen, that oxygen spreads out as they dump it into the canal to, to other areas. And it's, it's the oxygen that heals the sick system. And um, it's happening at Outboard Marina, which is in Rio. And this is being funded by one individual. I'm not going to mention his name. I know him. I have since I was 18. Uh, but I'm not going to say his name because he's very private. But uh, we, were, we have all just been so beside ourselves with this situation. And uh, as far as the marina, these people have been away from work for three weeks and so they decided to take the equipment and uh, try it with the algae. And so far, it's going well. It, it's not completely cleaned out yet. You can see it on, on my Facebook page. But the water looks better and the algae looks less. And um, you know what? Hallelujah to the people who have taken this in their own hands because we sit here and rot as our federal and state government doesn't do anything but try to give us money for uh, missed work. But if our environment's so messed up we can't work, we're going to just become dependent on that money, and that's not the point. 
people here want a clean environment. They don't want to become a welfare state. So um, kudos to Ecosphere. I would say it would probably be about $30,000 a day to do what they're doing. So it will be difficult to go around the county and do this unless we get some funding for this. You are obviously very, very knowledgeable on this extremely complicated issue. You know, it it can seem like, oh, there's just some toxic algae in our river. But like we've discussed so far, it's very complicated. It's statewide. There are so many facets to this issue. You have dedicated your life to this. You have become so knowledgeable in talking to all parties involved and learning and spreading awareness. It's absolutely amazing. As a leader in trying to understand and fight this issue, this environmental issue, what is your message to listeners on maybe this issue, those those listeners that are being, being affected by this exact issue, or even listeners that are dealing with some other environmental issue in some other part of the world. What is your message of inspiration to people that are also fighting an environmental catastrophe like this? My message is run for office. That is my message. I know that might not be something a lot of people are comfortable with, but I am telling you, until we get people running for office who care about the environment, We are just going to have a continued repetition of what we have now. We have got to break the repetitive chains of giant corporations paying off politicians, keeping us in a cycle of golden handcuffs. It can only be done by us starting to get directly involved, run for office, If you don't want to run for office, get involved, go to meetings, start your own group, start a blog, start a children's group, start educating, make it a part of your life. And it's not for us to become obsessed. It's just that we are here. This is the time. If we don't do this now, we just might lose everything that we love down here. And so there has to be a movement against how things have been. And we have to create a new future where the water and and the beauty of this area is valued and not destroyed. And it has to become a cultural reality. Allison, that's going to take time. It's going to take generations. But we could do it in 40 years. And we're, we're already doing it now here. But water is politics. We have to get involved in politics. And if you're with a 501c3 that can't be involved with politics, figure out a way to do it on the side. This is a crisis. And um, I believe that we are chosen as a generation to turn the ship on this because they've been talking about it since the 50s. Well, guess what? Now the bird is calling. And it is time. And I think that that can really be extrapolated to most environmental issues that we're facing in the world. It seems like everything is kind of coming to a peak right now with the river situation that we're experiencing here, as well as many other environmental problems facing waterways and oceans and 
forests all over the world. It seems like we really do need to start a movement locally as well as globally. We need to become more environmentally conscious. And I definitely do agree that politics plays a very large role. So I appreciate that you are putting yourself into the political sphere, running for county commissioner. We need more people like you and we need to raise as much awareness as we can that we need to be more respectful of the environment for the sake of the wildlife and for the sake of ourselves. So, Jackie, I want to thank you so much for all the amazing work that you do every single day. You help our rivers. You help our estuaries. You're trying to help the entire water system of South Florida, and you are a great source of inspiration. And this podcast, obviously, is focused on people doing good things for the ocean and the rivers and the estuaries that we have here and all over the state, the Everglades included. They flow right into the ocean. It's all connected. So, in doing good for the waterways here, you are definitely doing good for the ocean. For our listeners, if you want to learn more about this issue, I'm going to be linking to Jackie's blog. She has an amazing blog that she writes on extremely regularly, which is very impressive. And uh, it has so much great information on what is going on with this issue. So definitely subscribe to her blog. I'll be linking to that. And you can also follow her on Facebook and Twitter. So you can get photos and community coverage from that. Like I said, she's at pretty much every event. So even if you can't make it, you can learn about what happened. And then I'll also link to her website. It's votejtl, that's Jackie Thurlow Lippish, jtl.com. You guys can check out her campaign running for county commissioner in Martin County, Florida, and see all of the amazing things that she's doing and definitely vote for her uh, in this upcoming county commissioner Thank election. You, yeah. Well, thank you so much again, Jackie. I really enjoyed having you on the show and everything that you're doing is so amazing. I know everyone in our community is very appreciative. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for what you do because you are just like me. You're somebody spreading awareness and that's what it's all about. Thank you. You just heard Jackie Thurlow Lippish, a community leader dedicated to improving the health of South Florida's troubled waterways. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at allisonrandolph.com and tune into next week's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.